In a first double header for the World Triathlon Podcast, we head to Australia to catch up with two-time world champion turned commentator, turned author, turned coach, Emma Carney, and her latest protege, Emma Hogan, a 20-year-old talent with Paris 2024 in her sights. So, Emma and Emma, welcome to the podcast. Great to have you on. Uh, well, first up, Emma Hogan, just want to clear up, are there any, is there any truth to the rumour that your coach made you change your name to Emma to be part of the great sort of history of Australian triathlon Emmas? Definitely not. I have always been an Emma. That is how you yeah. appear on your birth certificate, is it? That is 100% how I am on my birth certificate. All right, good. Well, you know, it would be good to, to dial back a few years at the start here to, to kind of set the, the scene for, you know, for your coach. <laughs> um, and because obviously, you know, we want to discover what it is she sees in in you that has made her want to work with you and obviously Emma given your I think it's more the other way yeah I think you should be asking Emma that no, she wants to work with me because <laughs> I'm seen as the nutter but at the same time there must be something that you see in younger Emma that presumably you wouldn't work with someone that you didn't see that same fire that you had in yourself um, well, high performance wise, I think it's really important that you have someone. So a lot of people are like, oh, Emma, as in Emma Hogan, you're so lucky to work with Emma because, you know, she can motivate you. And like, I don't do any motivation for Emma. Emma's very self-motivated, very self-sufficient, very driven. And hopefully I'm just giving her um, a structure and an understanding of what's required because triathlon is a pretty ruthless sport and endurance sport as well. And especially, well, how old were you when I first met you? Like 18? Yeah, 17 or 18. Like Emma, so Emma's from far north Queensland. So basically everything in the water will sting you and paralyse you. And if you get out of the water alive, crocodiles will kill you. There's, there's like little fishies that you tread on. And so you've like, got to be fast, basically. You've got to be quick. Yeah, so, and just... Yeah, to survive is, is a tough thing. So Emma's from far north Queensland. And I thought, oh, you know, really good test. I'll see if she's really committed to the sport. So I invited her down to Melbourne in the middle of winter. And out of it, Melbourne's down south. Um, everyone that's, you know, weather's quite ordinary in, in Melbourne in, in winter. And to top it all off, my heating broke. So Emma came down for a week and trained didn't complain once, but she was wearing her ski jacket on my couch. <laughs> so it showed that she was tough. <laughs> yeah, well, that sounds like quite a good, like, old school approach. I don't think the heating probably broke at all. I think this this was actually, like, part of the test. Do you? No, and she came back. So, you know, that was it. Locked in. Yeah. Okay, let's go. So that was, like, that was three years ago, um, by which point you had already how kind of how much time in triathlon? I was always a very active kid, but I never really thought about triathlon seriously until I was about 16 or 17. Well, well what about the first time I went to a race, for example? I said to Emma, okay, you know, race is 30 minutes. I thought, God, she's, she's wasting a lot of time before the race. A bit unprofessional. So I said, hey, Emma, you're betting on warm up. And Emma looked at me and she goes, oh, she goes, I've never warmed up. I knew you had to do a swim warm up. I thought she was having a go. I know. So I just went, oh, yeah, don't be silly. And she's just standing there looking at me. I said, oh, oh, okay. So <laughs> we're starting from a clear slate. 
So Emma's got a racing age in triathlon of three. Two and a half, three. Yeah. So it's very, very, the, the fact that she's achieved so much in such a short period of time is really, really right. a good indication of, you know, how good she's, she's going to be. Okay. And so what was it that was the initial coming together that brought you together? Like, you know, your first impressions of your coach and oh. where was it that you first met? <laughs> Uh, so I, where I live, there's a race on Hamilton Island uh, and the guy who organises it, Steve Jackson, he put us together. Um, I'm pretty sure he contacted, yeah. contacted Emma um, and I was given sort of like a prize, I guess. Oh, that's right, to coach. Yeah, and Emma coached me for like six months or something. So um, that was how it got put together and then... Emma came up one day um, and I was absolutely terrified. <laughs> I had done all this research. I had Googled, I had watched YouTube videos, I'd watched races and I was absolutely scared out of my wits to meet Emma. I would put all this together and gone, oh, she's such a, she's such a scary person. <laughs> very fierce, very um, straight talker really to the point and I was like I have to make a good impression here so um yeah but it's not that bad <laughs> it definitely wasn't as bad as I thought it would be but it but are, are there any of those traits ones that you kind of see in yourself already or actually quite the opposite and are you are they things that not like explicitly I'm sure she's never gone like you gotta you gotta toughen up you gotta change your attitude but but that could subtly you know are they things that you would want to would want to bring in or are they things that you already have or actually do you have a completely different approach to to your racing and I think I'm quite like Emma like in terms of my personality the longer I've known Emma the more I've come to realize that I think we're quite similar with our personalities Mm. which I think Emma drives a little more dangerously than I do literally don't get in the car <laughs> Again, driving rush. fast so, away from deadly things. But I mean, I'm getting old, and everything's a rush. And my mum used to say to me, "Why is everything a rush? Why? Why can't we just drive somewhere nice and slowly and just get there?" And I get in Emma's car, and I feel like I'm my mum, just going, "Do we have to be in such a rush?" <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, very, very similar. Um, and I, Emma's got the the added benefit and. And the um, the added skill of being a really really good swimmer, so it's going to become the full package. It's not there's not going to be a weakness, and it's getting to the stage where athletes are having to, you know, they're going to have to really really outwit Emma through experience and age and strength because she's still only twenty to beat her. And then once that comes together, as she moves, you know, from under twenty three into senior ranks. Um, she's going to be a real force, which is fantastic. <laughs> and also the opposite of when you were starting out, right? The swim was always the thing that you yeah. had to work on. Yeah, absolutely. I think you kind of, you deal with what you've got and you yeah. work, you strengthen your strengths and you strengthen your weaknesses or you minimise the damage on your weaknesses. And so with Emma, you know, she's come from a swimming background and I expected her to be a lot bigger because, you know, swimming background is normally a a larger type of athlete 
and you know Emma swims up and down the pool and she's really slight and it's like ding 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 you know it's none of this big she's she's not a big person she's she's actually you're smaller than me much smaller yeah um and so she's got that physique that's going to adapt really well to running which it has so she you know she's already running a grades in the competition down here um, on the track and i'm if you follow me in world triathlon coaching i'm very much an advocate for middle distance run coaching is really good for triathlon because we do all the extra k's in the other disciplines um and the bike riding is about fitness and you know a lot of the stuff that we do on the bike is the stuff that i did and you can say oh well you know back in my day it started off as a 40k time trial and then um it moved to drafting but in drafting you still have to have that fitness on the bike and that ability to to jump packs and you know work through hills and so yeah it's i think it's you deal with what you're given in triathlon and then you just try and make yourself unbeatable as much as you can in every scenario. In my era, it was, there's a lot of run strong athletes. So a lot of the runs were very, very um, fast. Um, but I mean, I, I hate comparing eras because then you can say, well, what about this? What about that? You know, and no one can race the yeah. same thing. So it's, it is absolutely about minimizing the damage on the weakness and um, I think by the time Emma gets, you know, to being a senior athlete, you'll be very hard stretched to find a weakness, the way things are progressing. Right. So in the, and how long have you been working together, kind of full-time? Three years, just on three years. Okay. So that was a fun yeah. enjoyment. <laughs> <laughs> and what have been your kind of standout moments in, in that three years then? Whereabouts are you in... In terms of, you know, the, the competitions you've done and so on and, and the sort of performances you've been putting in? Um, I haven't really <laughs> had that many opportunities to race, like, I guess, big races. I mean, yeah. I, last year... So Emma's really useless at talking herself yeah. about herself. <laughs> last year was probably my first proper year of actual <laughs> racing. So well, we like, down. <laughs> tw no, 2019, okay. sorry. And then COVID ruined last year for racing so i think um i don't know i don't know i'm not let, can, I, can i answer it but i don't want to be like the dominant emma and i um so for example at the age of under 23 and as you enter under 23 you're always going to be like on the back foot because you're not as experienced and you're younger and all that sort of stuff so i think it, you have to look at the, your performances over time so I've known Emma for two and a half, three years. And the first race she did, for example, if you look at a race in the Oceania Champs down in Devonport, first race she did, um, I can't remember the finishing time, but I do know she lost about two and a half minutes to the junior winner, okay? Then last year, she had another go and she was in the under 23 for the first time. So she was the youngest under 23 across the line and she lost just under a minute and a half. In the, in the run. And now she's racing the elite girls in, um, in Melbourne here, the elite um, Triathlon Australia girls. Mm. And she's, you know, one race, she lost 10 seconds. Another race, she lost a minute in the run. No, just under. Yeah, just under. So it's, it just shows that progression of improvement. And so there's no major wins, 
And you don't sort of expect that at this time of your career. And, you know, even the under 23 world championships will be very difficult for an Australian to get to this year because our government has just <laughs> locked us down <laughs> and got borders going all over the place. Like we can't even go into state hardly. So yeah. it'll probably be another 12 months before you even have another result really. Yeah, it won't be much. Yeah. And you had a pretty unconventional start to your <laughs> ITU then career, right? So, you know, there's there's ways of proving that that, that kind of thing works and uh, being able to crack on and, and, and focus on yourself and then make, yeah, your, I think so. make your impact. I, but I also think that I'm um, with coaching Emma, although her parents must have named her after me, I'm not trying to create another Emma Carney. Um, I, you know, it's, it's about Emma's career and I hope it's going to be better than mine, let's put it that way. And I hope that the, the mistakes more than anything will, um, that I made will, will not happen in her career. I don't want to see those mistakes. And so that's, yeah, I think that's really important in coaching. You don't do it. I don't, I don't coach so that I can go, woohoo, look what I've done. I'm like, wee. That's awesome. And for those listening who have perhaps been under a rock for the last, (laughs) maybe not been, no, that's a bit rude, not quite as attuned into the rich history of World Triathlon. Um, So you, your first ITU, as it was then race, as I have to say, uh, was the 94 World Championships. You won by a record margin, right? Yeah. So I, um, yeah, my, my debut international race was the World Championships in Wellington. And um, I was convinced I was going to win. And I was actually annoyed that I wasn't invited to the press conference. And my dad said, well, you've never raced. So what do you expect? Um, so that really fired me up. And my, my little sister, Claire, won the juniors in the morning. And if I didn't win the seniors, I'd go home as the family loser. So <laughs> I had no choice. So it was actually sibling rivalry. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially your little <laughs> sister. Yeah, yeah. I true. would never have lived that down. <laughs> um, and, you know, f- for that period, there must have been like an extra thrill coming into that race as well as the, the unknown. Did that also help kind of fire you up as this sort of outsider figure? Or It was kind of, it was odd. It was um, like, you know, my camp, my parents, me, my coaches, we all believed that I was going to win. Um, but it was just really, really odd, you know, having zero experience and you know even the commentators were like oh who's this hmm, I wonder how long this is going to last and then you know after about I don't know an hour of it they're like oh okay we think she might win um but yeah it was it was really odd and I don't I don't know if it's the best way to start a career either because you start to make mistakes in front of people as well and you make mistakes that you didn't expect because you know, if you go and win the first time, you sort of expect to win every race. And I expected to win every race, which was a good and a bad thing. Because when I did lose races, which is obviously going to happen, I didn't know how to handle it. Didn't, you know, I, I was sort of publicly, obviously annoyed. <laughs> annoyed. A hothead, could you say? Or... Um, so, yeah, that sort of stuff. So, you know, Emma's doing a yeah. progression through. And so by the time she gets there, she's ready in every way. And I, I just think that's a much nicer way to do it. 
at the same time, they're, you know, the, the athletes in any sport that, that live longest in the memory are, are the characters and the, you know, for good and bad, right. That, that sport needs those sort of personalities. Um, and do you think that having those rivalries, you know, from, from day one of, of your, your Konas and your ITU world championships, there were those rivalries and they were part of the blowing up of the, of the sport at the time. Right. I mean, it was, it was incredible. Like through the nineties, the, the TV coverage and the sponsorship and the personalities was, was amazing. So you surely, you must appreciate as well that, that those rivalries and that single mindedness and determination that sort of also caused that reaction when you didn't win was was part of the magic really yeah les used to yell at me a lot les mcdonald he told me off a lot of it i think you do have to have characters in sport and i do think that um you know like the fact that i'm coaching in emma if you look at the history of, of australia and everyone loves their data right now so here's one for the data people so if you look at the history of triathlon and you look at the name emma the success rate is something like 80 percent so if you just purely pick an Emma in Australia, which is what I've done, <laughs> and if Emma gets to the top, that percentage is going to go even higher. So then the data can go back and go, okay, let's go and get another Emma. So it could be right. forever. So I'll never actually die in triathlon because I've actually been stopped in the street when Emma Snowsaw won the Olympic gold. And she, like this was the next day. So she's still in Beijing, you know, dusting off the gold medal. <laughs> I'm stopped in a street down in Melbourne. And they said, oh, congratulations, Emma. And I was going to correct them. And I went, yeah, thanks. <laughs> you know, so the Emma. <laughs> Just a little high five. and <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think, I think that's going to be interesting. And um, it's nice to be, you know, it's nice to be involved in the sport. I'll, I'll forever be involved in triathlon. And it's nice to be involved in the racing side. Even, you know, once you've retired, I can, uh, it's, it, there's something about racing triathlon and, you know, still get amongst it because Emma's getting amongst it. Would you rather she kind of kept herself to herself in terms of, you know, when, when it comes to those international elite races or would you kind of encourage her to be like, right, that you're going to beat her. That's who, that is your yardstick. Go out there and do whatever it takes. And, I, don't think and you do. sort of... I don't think you can do that. Like, I don't think... No. You know, once you start worrying about other people, I think you're all over the place. So, um, don't you agree? Yeah, I agree. I think you lose track of what you're doing, lose focus. So you've got you have to race aggressively. You can't re- race reactively because then you're all over the shop because people are doing all sorts of stuff in triathlon and you. Um, yeah. But I think the world's changed. You know, I did a world championship and my chain. Um, slipped no my cable slipped you know and I frisbeed my bike across the course <laughs> through through my helmet across the course through my shoes in a tree and an official came over and said oh excuse me Emma can you do you think you could stop because um we've got the head of the IOC watching and like now that would be an, an immediate DQ um so I I wouldn't encourage that kind of behavior no <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't achieve anything and it's pretty poor <laughs> but I mean, was um, you know, was was reading Emma's book 
Emma Hogan was reading Emma Carney's book, part of the uh, initiation into to joining the team. When the title is is you know life, death, and triathlon, you know that's that's a fairly punchy. Uh, you know what you're getting yourself in for there, right? Yeah, definitely. She's actually um, I make her read it. Every I, night. <laughs> I've read it twice now, mm-hmm. and um, she said that I should prepare myself for quizzes on what was <laughs> so um yeah I'm trying to soak up as much knowledge as I can you have to every training session is begun with like a, a having to write a review for Amazon yeah right? it's like <laughs> rapid fire <laughs> it's you it's a good idea yeah. <laughs> um but actually you know when when did you how was the process of writing that book? Sorry, this is going to be less interesting for you, Emma Hogan, except for, you know, your career pathway might be, you know, this might be fitting in quite nicely, but um, was it over a long period of time? How, how was the, you know, as someone who aspires to write a book myself, it's, I'm interested to know how that. It, was, um... it took a very long time. So I kept diaries when I was racing and you, know, you got a trading diary and I had a, like a, a diary, bleh, everything that happened diary. <laughs> okay. And so I was always that you, that you just kept up, uh, you know, that was just part of your yeah. I was always going to life and, yeah. Okay. A different ending, you know. I was going to be like, go Emma, but it was more like you know, cardiac arrest Emma. <laughs> 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 so that's where the life and death bit comes in. Yeah. Um, but and it's then good you can laugh about that now. But the, there was there were sections that are quite um, touchy subjects like Olympic appeal and things like that. So I had a yeah. historian put that together, and I've written it so the the reader can draw their own conclusions. And you know, this is what happened. So I'm not saying um, you know this person did this. This is what happened. Um, this is how I trained. This is how I grew up. Bit of a crazy growing up. But yeah, it's it was a long process. Probably took about five years from from get you know getting everything together. And I didn't write it from the start to the finish. I wrote it in sections, and it was actually twice as big. So I really wrote everything down, and then yeah. you know got some things out of it and narrowed it right down. There must have been edit after edit, and I've probably driven Emma nuts talking about it. And she took a lap. Oh, because it came out. <laughs> While you were already working together, did it? When did it? It came out last. Came out in December. Early. It's that recent, right? Yeah. So yeah, it was came out in December, and um, yeah, sort of. It's it's been selling well. It's going to start the the reviews are going to start happening in the podcast and um, you know the the book launch. I still haven't really done that. So yeah. You're starting. A podcast as well. You're doing a no, podcast. no, I'm not doing. I'm going on a lot of podcasts, but I think uh, we do podcasts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Far> out, <laughs> put something else in. <laughs> and are you keeping a little diary on the side now as well, then, Emma? Is that something that is uh, me? Yeah, gonna, I, I've yeah. got training diaries. I, I don't know whether it's old school, but I handwrite them all. I go out at the yeah. start of every year. Yeah, it should be right. Yeah, buy myself a diary and write down all my training. I haven't quite hit the dear diary stage yet. <laughs> <laughs> I still just have a training diary and just, um, yeah, write down stuff in there. But, yeah, I, I keep diaries. They're all handwritten. Yeah, I've, I've actually started writing the second book, which is on coaching. 
Right. So I've got Emma's notes going. <laughs> Amazing. Well, because so yeah, obviously you're you know fundamental part of the World Triathlon Development team as well. How is that in terms of yeah, like you know you're you're dealing with breakthrough coming through coaches in all corners of the world right how is the how is the landscape out there and the sort of appetite and I think I'm a very very small cog in the wheel of um triathlon development there's there's a lot of um coaches like Vincent and um Francesco and Rolf and some very very experienced coaches and then you've got people that are writing the documentation and the um the educational work so like um James Jolly, and I've got Dave, the computer IT nerd. But he, it's it's all really interesting because we all come from different backgrounds, and so I think I drive a lot of them crazy because mine's very practical approach. Because I'm like, oh, this this is like, this works, and they're like, okay, we well, you know where's the research? And I go, oh yeah, I've tried it. <laughs> this works, and so <laughs> a lot of that stuff. So I have a balance of you know the science and the this work stuff. Um, so it's, it's interesting. And then I'm trying to get some development countries to understand the idea that if you are 40 seconds down out of the swim, it's not the end of the day because you can get a pack going, but you've got to have the right mindset. You know, you can. So that sort of approach as well and providing alternatives out there. There's not just one way to win a triathlon. So it's um it's it's very interesting. Like I really really enjoy the sport. When I retired, I retired in a very very ordinary way in cardiac arrest, and I thought I'd ruined my life, and you know I was going to die next week. So I didn't. I wasn't. I tried to walk away from the sport, and it's a sport that I think, if you really really love it, you you're in it for life. That's how I feel. Mm. Yeah, and it. I mean, you've done more than a lot in terms of the, the different elements to that post-athlete career the writing the coaching the the commentating you know commentary must have been fun was it yeah yeah the commentary was fun that's going to go more into um, a sustainable model so they're going to do it out of a, a, a centralized location because you know having an Aussie fly around the world is is not really a sustainable um way of running it so it was, I mean it was a lot of fun and it was um, it was interesting to you know to see each race and comment on each race and be able to see how the races um, were panning out. Um, Quite hectic as well, like a lot a lot to keep your eye on and yeah, there is. There was a yeah, there's a feed going through of times and names and everything popping up. And they said, "Can you refer to that?" And I'm like, "No, because I'm over here talking to you, so I'm not going to look over there." And and it's been like, God. Because I've only got that athlete focus. Yeah, so that was obviously that was commentating for the for the World Triathlon Series level, yeah. um, and I, you know, to I me mean, presumably you kept up to speed and watched a lot of races anyway. But to what to watch races through with that kind of obviously like analytical eye and full focus must have been pretty fascinating or just make you want to be back out there and you can you can quite easily really really publicly screw up as well because you can go oh that won't happen and then two minutes later they've pulled it off and you're like "Mm, i hope they didn't remember deep learning curve from the first couple of races (laughs) i hope they didn't remember that and they (laughs) do but yeah it's i mean it's just a lot of fun being on the circuit 
I'm I'm looking forward to that with Emma as well. So it's it'll be interesting being a coach because you've got the high pressure there, but then once the gun goes, you know, your athletes <laughs> go for it. <laughs> you've fully yeah. educated and trained and they have the skills and all the requirements to get through a triathlon in one piece and hopefully up the pointy end. <laughs> Hope so. <laughs> Yeah. Otherwise, it wasn't my fault. <laughs> a lot of pressure on your shoulders now, Emma. If there's going to be, you know, if, if she's writing a coaching a coaching book as well yeah. while coaching you, then you're like the proof. I am. I, re- I have to pull it off now. <laughs> but it, will it will it be, you know, a fairly sort of A to Z coaching manual or will it be interspersed with like stories you know it'll be part of a story I think well some people have said to me that they would have liked to have read more about my training theories maybe a little bit more of that but it'll be because it'll be different because no no athlete's the same so I'm not just saying to Emma hey on the 11th of February in you know 1926 (laughs) I did this session so you're gonna do it and <laughs> so it's not it's not about that anyway. It's about what happens because I mean when I, when I was Emma's age, I had a race age on the track of what been like six years now, like six, yeah, or, seven six years. or seven years, just of track racing. So mm-hmm. that you know the skill of racing can be transferred across to triathlon. It's just a different discipline. So it's. I don't really know if I believe wholeheartedly in training Bibles that just go bang, 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 because you've got to go, oh, hang on that over there. And so, yeah. Equally, how different are different coaches' philosophies and approaches uh, from what you've know of, of other top coaches from, you know, Joel or Ian O'Brien or whatever, in terms of how much how much difference do you see in, in coaching methods and techniques? Is it, is it quite really quite varied? I think it is varied. And I think it also, um, sometimes it's not so much the coaching, it's the environment as well. So it's, you know, if, if athletes are able to train and are confident in that environment, they'll do well. And there isn't really too much difference in the actual coaching. But I mean, having said that, I haven't been to specific uh, you know, coaching um, sessions. Um, but yeah, I have some very, I think I have some fairly strong views on how running should be done because I feel very confident in the running section and the bike. And I don't, you know, I don't buy into a lot of um, common theories like we don't really run off the bike. I don't really endorse that. No, I've never um, done a run off the bike. Yeah. I don't like the idea of not practicing running well, especially when you've got such a limited time or limited energy source in your body. Let's do it all well. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean run hard and flat out and you know break yourself. It just means doing it well. Even the jog is good form, good technique, good skills. Mm-hmm. So that sort of stuff's different. We don't muck around doing bikes in car parks. No, a lot of that stuff goes on down here. Um, we don't stick cones in car parks and roll around car parks. It's a ride out, you know, in the hills. And and I suppose it's all about backing up what you're doing with a 
reason for doing it right so you know if an athlete can't see why they're doing something then that's got to be the worst feeling in the world presumably um well, hopefully you understand why no yeah definitely i um i understand most of the things well i understand it all but i will ask <laughs> <laughs> i will ask not to contradict what emma's doing just so i have an understanding of why i'm doing it and like every time mm. i've asked it's always like <laughs> it, it always calms me down. I go, yeah, okay, I can understand that now. So, but Emma does also make it very, very clear the stuff that she hates doing. <laughs> so I actually, I do try and keep that out of the program because it's, it's you're not trying to get your athlete to hate you. I'm not here to make uh, Emma tough because Emma's tough. I'm not here to make Emma's life a misery. I'm here to try and get Emma ready to be the best triathlete in the world. And let's try and avoid the stuff that she doesn't like so we'll do this we can modify sessions they don't have you don't have to go and do that so yeah hmm. obviously race goals is one thing but training goals is a whole nother so you would be like right I, I, at the end of 2022 i want you to be at this level with these kind of boxes ticked and then that'll mean at 2023 yeah. we can it's yeah it's sort of times around things like I, I i mean i believe the swim's already there it's already um, sort of front pack material. Okay. It's just a question of, you know, the age and the consistency in racing. The running, I'd like to get some times down and there's target times each year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the racing will have to be, when there's a full calendar, will have to be carefully chosen because initially you don't want to do too much travel. And that's one of the big problems with being an Australian athlete. Um, is that travel to European races and whether you go over, do a couple of races and come back. I always preferred that method than staying over there because I like my training base, but then that does mean a lot of travel. But if you select races, do well at them and then come home, well, you don't have to do quite as many races because you've done well. So mm. it's a question of, of how we can have that support around that. But having, having done it myself, you know, the connections overseas are really good too. So I didn't have that either. So I didn't, you know, I went overseas and sort of rattled around on my own. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and but there must be days, you know, days when coaching, when training is, you know, great and days when you're just like, this is just not happening. And obviously it's great. You need to, that, that fine line between getting on with your coach and being able to have a you know, enjoy what you're doing, but then also have someone just barking at you to make you do the things that you really don't want to be doing, right? Oh, I didn't do that. No, Emma no? never, never hasn't barked at me ever. She never mm. yelled at me. I um, I I'm, think I'm quite self-motivated. Yeah, I've never, like I was yelled at by coaches and like when I see people yell at young kids and, and athletes, I just think, you've got a communication problem. Yeah, I've had swimming coaches like that with me and I don't think it's constructive at all. Mm -hmm. I'm yeah. yeah I'm quite self-motivated so I guess I drag myself out there to do it anyway <laughs> having someone like Emma there <laughs> just it sort of makes it easier because you've got someone there you know telling you times you need to run timing it being there at the end and the start of every rep so it, it's not as <laughs> not during because I'm a bit sorry <laughs> It's not as draining mentally, I think, to have someone there with you, but I, she's, she's never yelled at me and I would drag myself out and train anyway, whether yeah. I felt amazing or whether I felt absolutely awful.
Um, I mean, Emma's is, you know, 3,000K away from home. She finished year 12, final year of school, got into a university in Melbourne, like a bloody biomed. So, like, she didn't just flop in. She went in guns blazing. Um, she's lived down here. She's had to live with me, um, my son, 10-year-old <laughs> Jack. And, you know, like, that's really hard to leave home and then say, yeah, I want to be a triathlete. And then she's you know, had to do all this work and all this training and get to uni and um, freeze. Freeze, definitely. Freeze, freeze through winter. So it's, a, it's, she's, it's, not an, it's not an easy thing. And Emma hasn't taken an easy option in any way. And while I think I provide and hopefully provide a really, really productive you know, training program, I think it's really, really important to also recognise how much Emma has done herself because that's what's going to get her there. Not, you know, I can sit there and go, wait, this is what's going to happen. You're going to do this, this and this and just do this training. And But she's still got to line up at the races and, and get, get everything together and perform. So that's, every athlete has to do that. And I think what Emma's done, she's gone against the grain. She's gone out on a limb. And, and you know she's she's working with someone who frightened her. No other athletes who says, "Hey, can I come and train with you?" Um, in that you know, in that scenario of finishing school and moving three thousand k away from home and that sort of stuff. And yeah, I think that's something that she, Emma should be really proud of because that's a really really big step to doing something that she wants to do. Hmm. All right. So, without looking to your left, Emma Junior, what? How do you see the next two, three years shaping up? And um, you know, would Paris? Would you consider that like too too much too early? Is the is the goal really LA? How, you know, or is that even too um, soon to I'd, think about I'd those like, kind of goals? I'd like both Olympics, Paris and LA. I don't think Paris is a stretch. I think um, Birmingham. Yeah. 2022 is possibly like a shorter term goal, I guess. Um, but definitely Paris and then LA and then 2032, whatever after that is. Um, definitely. I'm aiming, I would like three Olympics. Is, is that something that is always in the back of your mind, like world champion, Olympic champion? Is that, is that like literally the, the burn inside you? That is, that is what's fueling you, keeping you going? I mean, yeah, I love the sport, but definitely every day, that's yeah. that's it. Like that's the pinnacle of our sport. So, yeah, definitely, there's 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 not much else I really want in life. I can't see myself sitting doing a desk job. I never have. <laughs> I've always loved sport. Even as a young kid, I'd wake up early in the morning and watch the swimming at the Olympics, and that's all I ever wanted to do. So it's like, yeah, every day. And so from your side, Emma, in terms of, yeah, you all, would you, would you agree with that? I mean, presumably you're reading from the same mm -hmm. hymn sheet yeah. here in terms of what you've got sketched out for the coming years. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I think the Relay is a really good opportunity for athletes like Emma as well. And I think um, National Federation should look at the younger generation because they can have them in a Relay and, you know, they're going to have the speed and they're going to have... Um, the ability to go fast and 
um, it's a really good opportunity to also expose them to the environment of a major games. So relays, I think, are a very good tool. Australia's got a, a big relay program. Yeah, definitely. It's very, very strong. Very, very focused on the relays. And um, I'm not completely convinced that you can do well in the relays without having strong individual performances, though, in triathlon. So I believe you need to also focus on the individual program. So without the individual performances, I think it's very difficult to have a relay do well. Because you've got to have that depth. And you're going to have that depth against athletes, uh, sorry, against countries that have got that depth. So it's not just going to come together because it's shorter. So I think the relay program is very, very important but it needs to also stand alongside a very, very strong individual program, which is hopefully what Emma's also getting. Yes. Through my coaching. <laughs> Great. And uh, yeah, well, you'll become part of the next book then, hopefully Emma as well. That's... <laughs> well, I think I'm, I'm the... I to write her out of it. <laughs> she leaves. <laughs> Could really bugger it up and there yeah. is no second book. Just <laughs> Program. <laughs> that would not be good no it's i mean it's, it's not about that I, I i like writing and i think you know even in sport everyone loves a story everyone loves a story in life and the stories behind sport are often unseen and untold mm. and i think it's really interesting you know i've written a book and most people have said to me what i really really enjoyed reading was about what you really were like what, what Emma Carney's really like. So it would be actually nice because they don't know what goes on in the background. And like, there's a hell of a lot of laughing going on in the background as well. So yeah, it's, it's not all hard work, so. Tough for you and like not seeing your parents and, and for them, have they been on the, the phone quite a lot sort of checking in on you? And Yeah, I call my mum and my dad every day um mm, I have get me out of here I've never said that I, I hate this I hate they'll pick yeah. up on the coded messages soon enough <laughs> no it's never like that it was um it was hard not seeing them I think it was harder on mum and dad than it was on me um mum and dad own a business they own a bakery in Proserpine um so they they were actually surprisingly, and was very lucky, is they were very busy. Um, They've been quite busy the whole time. But um, I, yeah, I think it was harder on them <laughs> than it was on me. But I did, I called them every day, I still do. And I was there like not even a month ago. So when Emma went home at Christmas time, she sends me a photo, she's in a 50 meter pool. She goes, oh, I had to get out of the pool. There's a snake in lane two. There was a brown snake in the pool and they got us all out so they could get the snake like out that, of the pool. That's the brown snakes are bad, aren't they? Kill you. Oh yeah. Anything up there kills you. Like you just like little I butterfly mean, goes past, it'll we, kill you. We couldn't like it's ironic, quite <laughs> ironic, because it's hot and humid and awful up there and you can't go in the ocean or the rivers because the ocean has jellyfish that will kill you. And the rivers have crocodiles, so it's will eat you. You get in the pool or you just sweat. Um yeah, it started flooding in the end. We had about four hundred mil of rain in just under six hours the night after I left. So I was lucky I left when I did because I would have got flooded in. And then the crocs are just prowling the streets, <laughs> yeah, presumably. The main street. 
<laughs> no, it's not, it's not that bad, but it is, there's a lot of things that, um, I guess it makes training harder at home because there's a lot of things you have to be careful of and you can't go in there and don't go running in the bush. Mm. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's a country town as well. So I'm running, like I did my run sessions at the back of cane paddocks on dirt roads. I nearly trod on a snake, rode over a snake. The stuff, it was just all going on. Anyway, right, I've got to get Jack to bed. <laughs> all right. Was it 10 o'clock? Yeah. Yeah. But thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. It's been no. good. I think we've gone way over time. They're going to kill you. <laughs> but it was brilliant. Lovely to speak to you both. Yeah, you too. Like, yeah, thank uh, you. The rest of the year and, yeah, hopefully catch up with you soon somewhere in person. Yeah, yeah hopefully. Thank you. Oh, for thanks that. for having us. Nice one. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Bye.